Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Like other countries, Australia is experiencing a rapid increase in the number of older persons. By 2031, nearly a quarter of the population is projected to be over the age of 65. Older adults, particularly those living in residential care, can have difficulties accessing services to help maintain or improve emotional well-being. We are speaking today with Dr Sunil Barr, who is an Associate Professor of Psychology at Swinburne University. He also directs the Wellbeing Clinic for Older Adults and runs an active research lab focusing on the emotional well-being of older adults and the mechanisms of reminiscence and cognitive behavioural therapies. Dr Barr has maintained a clinical practice for over 20 years and has integrated his clinical experience into his teaching and research. Thank you, Sunil, for coming on the show. So what are some of the biggest challenges that older individuals face later in life, Sunil? Um, big question. Big question. Yeah. So the biggest challenge faced by older people in life, well, first of all, the very notion of who is an older person is mm. very, very mixed. Um, anyone who is age 65 plus can be considered an older person um, by many of the definitions that we have around. Yes. And so the priorities are very much mixed and connected to the stage of life. Um, mm. The older people that we tend to see who are living in aged care and who are needing help because of depression or anxiety, their, their number one priority is having independence and purpose. Mm-hmm. And with those priorities come a whole other bunch of, um, of uh, areas of focus, such as how can I maintain social connections? How can I maintain physical autonomy? How can I have purpose in how I operate my life? Mm. Um, why do I need to keep living um, under these circumstances? How can I have quality uh, in my old age? Mm. Thank you. So when you, I, I guess a lot of the issues that, that you raise um, there around social connection would be quite, I guess, commonly connected to some um, particular mental health presentations in, in older adults as well. Um, what are some of the most common, I guess, mental health presentations that you see in, in older adults? Well, the a big myth around is that it's normal to be depressed when you're older. And so major depressive disorder is by far the most prevalent uh, mental health condition that we've observed in our older clients. And um, the way in which depression presents itself in late life is slightly different to how it presents in younger adults. For example, in, in younger adults, someone might say, well, I don't enjoy doing things as much as I used to uh, whereas in late life, it presents itself in just not having energy or in having physical complaints mm. or in feeling extremely tired. 
And many people who go through these um, experiences might regard them as just part of aging, but it's not. In fact, depression can be very debilitating. Absolutely. And how do you think social isolation impacts older adults on a day-to-day basis, but also in the longer term? Social isolation has a huge negative impact Mm. on older adults. Um, Many of the individuals uh, that we talk to describe feeling extremely lonely and extremely unloved and uncared for. And with the lack of connection one has to other people, you feel feel, um, marginalized. You feel unimportant. Uh, mm. You feel that there's really a lack of opportunity, not only to receive care, but also to provide it. And in fact, this is one of the big learnings that we've had, that older adults want to give as much as they need to receive, but mm. there are very few opportunities for them to give off themselves. Mm. I think that's tied into that sense of purpose. Often people are so used to, you know, throughout their lives, giving and caring for others, and then they get to a point where they perhaps need to be cared for. Um, but that desire to still care for others is, is still there. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and not just to be connected to other older adults, but uh, a lot of us in our late years want to be connected to people of all ages. Yes. Um, and sometimes uh, clinicians, um, we found, uh, believe that if you're an older adult, you need to be mixing around with other older adults. <laughs> And many of the people in their later lives don't want to be around other older people. They want to be with people who are younger and of varying ages. Mm. And so there's great scope for intergenerational contact Mm -hmm. between older people and younger ones. Yeah, fantastic. I I know that at the school where I used to work, we had a program where we'd take our teenagers into um, homes for the elderly. And there was a lot of mutual benefit in that. That was in Springvale South in Melbourne. Yes, yes. Well, we've we found that not only does the older adult benefit, but certainly the younger person gains a perspective Absolutely. Yeah. on what it's like to be older and what life was like during, um, you know, the other person's life. Yes. Yeah. I just want to go back a step. When you mentioned um, something that stuck with me was that idea of um, depression in older age being a, a myth. Or something that um, is meant is is just an expectation. It's just something that occurs, and we just accept it. Um, in terms of that type of experience, does this differ from men and women? Because I do know in a in I'm making assumptions here, but I do know that in a general sense, um, women tend to be more socially connected um, yeah. than males. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess when an older male gets to a point in their life. Um, they perhaps aren't as socially connected as as women. Is that um, is that what is that something that you've seen in all the adults? Absolutely, yeah. Look, a lot of the men rely on their spouses to keep their connections going, and um, and when their spouse passes away, they lose not only their spouse but all the connections that came with her. Mm-hmm. And you're quite right. Older older men seem less socially connected than older women. Um, Having said that, there are, there are more older women than there are older men. Yes. Because men tend to die first. Women tend to uh, live longer. They tend to live longer, <laughs> right? Uh, so we know more about the plight, if you like, of older women than we know about older men mm-hmm. because there's just fear of them around. Mm-hmm. 
Um, many older individuals experience physical health issues. Um, do you believe this is connected to their mental well-being, or is it a case of the chicken and the egg? So there, there is a relationship between physical health issues and mental health. Mm. But the surprising research that has emerged is that despite older people being sicker, the younger people, they tend to be happier as well. And this is quite a surprising finding that with late life comes an increase in happiness despite feeling quite physically unwell. Mm. My mum would tell you that that's a lack of caring. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it is. Get to a point where you just don't care anymore and you You, just want to enjoy your life. Absolutely. And that's that's what the research is is saying, that that look, with with ill health uh, comes a burden. But you might come to a point in your life where you start to accept it as, as your lot in life. Mm. And you're not as angst as, as you are when you are uh, in your earlier life stages. Um, having said that, though, when people do feel physically sick, in other words, when the illnesses are not well managed or the chronic health issues are not well managed, that's when you see a dip in mental health. Mm. Okay. I, w- I wanted to ask, Sunil, we know that there's a link between physical activity and well-being in general. However, does this change as individuals uh, get older? Does it become more important or less important? So the question is whether or not physical health um, and mobility continue to play an active role in mental health in uh, late life. In physical physical activity, so the physical actual activity. engagement yep. in um, yep. in yeah physical yep. movement. Yes, without without question. In fact, we found that exercise and physical movement is one of the the most powerful leverages in terms of helping someone feel better um, and with with their with their mood. Mm. Um, now, you direct the wellbeing clinic for older adults at Swinburne. Can you tell us about Swinburne's reasoning for creating this service? So, Swinburne's wellbeing clinic for older adults was developed in two thousand and eleven. So, we've been operating now for a few years. And we developed the clinic because of two reasons. The first is that we discovered that very few individuals living in residential aged care or nursing homes, as they're sometimes known as, had access to psychological therapies or Mm. specialized mental health care. And so we felt that a clinic like this might provide easier access, if you like, of -hmm. those individuals to such care. Uh, The second reason is that we discovered that very few of our trainee mental health professionals had any competencies in working with older adults, uh, particularly those living in residential aged care settings. And so the clinic was formed on the basis that not only might we provide access uh, to psychological therapies, but we might also provide training to uh, mental health professionals who are getting propped, if, if you like, getting ready for their professional lives. Mm-hmm. On a on a side note, how does it um, how does it differ? How does working, you know, you mentioned that a lot of professionals perhaps don't have the knowledge around working with older individuals. Um, is it is it something special? Is it something different? The, the answer to, to to that depends on what we mean by the older individual. So it does differ depending on the physical frailty issues and cognitive impairment issues. So, for example, many of the clinicians who we trained are trained to work with individuals in a clinic. 
once you're working with an older adult who has mobility issues, then the work needs to be relocated to the individual's own house. Mm. A very simple uh, tweak in your everyday practices can mean a huge difference for the client. Uh, when you have a client with cognitive impairment issues, for example, forgetfulness, confusion, or even diagnosis of dementia and so on, then the work that you do with the individual needs to attend to forgetfulness. And there are a whole host of different techniques that a practitioner can use to help the client remember uh, what the previous session contained or who the therapist is. Mm-hmm. We've uh, also found okay. that work with older people uh, tends to involve the care system So these are um, uh, professional staff who might be caring for the individual in a residential context or the individual's families. Um, Work with younger people does not always have to involve the system. So there are just a few differences that we found are very important to uh, make our training clinicians aware of. Fantastic. Um, What are some of the services that the Wellbeing Clinic for Older Adults provide? The uh, Wellbeing Clinic for Older Adults is uh, currently a, an on-site uh, yeah. residential aged care program. So this means that we send counsellors who are our postgraduate mental health trainees to various residential aged care um, facilities around Melbourne. And essentially we provide uh, four kinds of services. Uh, first, we provide counselling services to people living in, in care. Yeah. So this involves uh, meeting with the resident, having a chat, having a conversation over a few months to see if there, there could be some assistance that we could pro- provide them in terms of helping their mental health care. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, we provide support to families by meeting with them and running family support groups. Third, we run um, uh, reminiscence groups Uh, which involve uh, groups of uh, residents meeting together to discuss um, something about their past and to share with each other memories and experiences that they might have had in common. And and finally, the fourth thing is we we develop digital life stories with residents uh, where we work with a resident to create a three- to four-minute digital story about their lives, Mm -hmm. not essentially only for the purpose of improving how they feel, but also to allow the resident to share with staff uh, what we call their essence or a piece of their life that they want to communicate to staff. Because we've discovered that staff who know a resident better tend to provide care that is more customized Mm. to that resident. Mm. Mm. Okay, so the digital story then isn't so much... um, It is about the individual, but it's also for the staff as well to be able to provide a better level of care for that individual too. That's right, yeah. Yeah, so how how does the digital story assist individuals in maintaining their own sense of identity and well-being? We found that in residential aged care, a lot of the staff are just very busy. They're they're very well-meaning, but they don't have the time to sit down with a resident and Mm. talk about that individual's life. And and we found that loneliness in residential aged care isn't, isn't about the lack of contact with people because you're surrounded by people it's the a lack of validation of who you are, mm. uh, what we call a lack of identity validation. And Digital Life Stories gives um, a frame for which you can tell your story, and by telling your story, you're reminded of who you are, mm. and you feel that somebody else is listening to uh, the story of you, and you feel validated. And we found that through the many years that we've done this, 
uh, people who go through the Digital Life Story program feel much more validated towards the end of the process. It sounds wonderful. I regret so much not knowing more about how to support an elderly relative in her seven years in care. Now, can you describe to us some of the benefits or differences you've seen in some of the older adults who've utilised the wellbeing clinic? So we've um, we've done some evaluation on the outcomes of the wellbeing clinic, and we've found um, that the people that have received counselling um, report much less depressive symptoms mm-hmm. at the end of counselling compared to before. Mm. We've also had qualitative comments or anecdotal comments from our clients that it was great to be listened to, uh, that it was great to have somebody outside of their immediate families and outside of the staff of the residential facility who they could confide in. And do you know if those um, differences and and benefits uh, continue over a period of time after the course of counselling that they've had? We, we don't know that uh, right. at the moment, but we will uh, yep. towards the end of uh, 2020. Right. <laughs> we, we've, just oh, stay tuned. A, we've just received some funding to do long-term evaluation oh, of the clinic, which is fantastic. Yes. yes. Yeah, fantastic. I, um, I imagine that, um, I guess, the well-being for, oh, well, directing the well-being clinic for older adults, you would have come across some pretty inter- interesting individuals. Has there been a story that has stayed with you over the years? I'll, I'll tell you a story that has framed a lot of what we, we do, and it's, it's not a story of a client who we've worked with, but it's a story that has become part of the mythology, if you like, that we've <laughs> We've it. been inspired by. How about if I tell you that? Sure. Let's, let's call this story the lady in blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Based on a real scenario. Because story needs a title, right? So, yeah. So one of my colleagues uh, who was um, a part of the lifestyle team at a residential facility said that there was a woman who acted very strangely in her residence. Um, she'd always wear blue. You know, she'd, she'd wear uh, dresses that were blue. She'd ask for blue plates. <laughs> She just liked the color blue. And the staff began to think of her as a very strange lady, and they called her the lady in, in blue. Um, and, and they attributed her strange behavior to the diagnosis of dementia. Well, they said, well, the reason she's so fixated on blue is this is, this is what happens for some people when they have dim- dementia. Now, at her funeral, as it's sometimes done, um, there was a, um, a video played on this lady's life, and it it emerged that she was one of the first models for not David Jones, but something like it in her her day. I think it was uh, George's. Right. And she modeled blue. That was the color of oh. uh, that was the color of that uh, organization that she was modeling. And it, it struck us from listening to that story that even when someone isn't able to communicate who they are, mm. their identity is still very much wedded to their everyday behavior. Um, and sometimes the way in which we express our identity gets transformed when we're not able to walk or we're not able to talk. And the way it was expressed through this lady was in what she chose to wear mm. and what color she chose to surround herself with. And we began to think, why didn't we know this when she was alive? Um, mm. Could there have been a way in which we could have helped this lady express who she was to the staff around her so that she wouldn't be tagged 
in this very negative way. Mm. And that's what inspired our Digital Life Story program. We thought if there was some way in which we could have helped this lady express her identity when she was alive, then maybe we could have got her the kind of treatment and responses that were more dignified. Yes. That's an incredible story that... um and a great, I guess, origin for, for the reason why you put together that digital story program. As, yeah. as you're, you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking about for any um, perhaps older individuals who might be listening, who perhaps think, you know what, I, you know, I might want to put my life into a story or might want to document or be able to put piece together, um, I guess, a sense of, of my life. What might uh, or how might someone go about doing that? So the, the easiest way now is to jump online, of course. Um, there are so many resources online. And, and we found that this is a great way for older people to connect with the younger members of yes. their family. Um, often it's the 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds that are more adept at online technology than <laughs> people in their later lives. There is a fantastic website that anyone can uh, link in with where they will provide you with resources on how to record either your own life or the life of a grandparent or older relative. Um, shall I give the name to you? That would be phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's pronounced storycores.org. So was that StoryCord? Yep, so Story. And it's it's pronounced Cores, but it's pronounced story, it's spelled StoryCorps. So ah, StoryCorps. StoryCorps. Yeah, C-O-R-P-S. Fantastic. If you just plug that into your search engine, you'll get to the web page. Phenomenal. I'm pretty sure that we'll, um, we'll be able to link that when we pop the podcast uh, for this show up as well, in yeah. case anyone wants to jump on that. And it Thanks, even Dr. Comes, it even comes with apps, so that's the latest, Lovely. right? Without an app, it doesn't exist. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, have you got a number one recommendation for maintaining well-being later in life? Have I got a number one recommendation mm. for maintaining well? We can only take I, one. <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell you what the research says. Okay. Um, and, and that is to be larger than yourself. Mm. So th- there's a lot to say about this, but it's, it's about um, finding a way to leave a legacy uh, that is beyond just you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this is referred to as intergenerate, intergenerativity, yes. where you leave behind a lesson, you help someone else, um, you do something that will last longer than you will. Mm. Um, and with that kind of project comes a huge amount of purpose and meaning. Deeply gratifying, I think. Absolutely. Mm. No, I think that, that sums it up beautifully because I over the, the weekend I was cooking and my mum was showing me cooking techniques that she learnt from her mum who's no longer with us. And she's like, this is what my mum taught me and now I'm passing it on to you and I'm sure that I'll pass that on to my kids as well. And I think and that's how you leave a legacy for yourself. It's as simple as that. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Wonderful. Um on, a, on, I guess, a more uh, sombre note, what are some of, I guess, the repercussions that we might see for older adults who don't, who, you know, who perhaps don't have an opportunity to access counselling services and supports? Well, we've, well, that's called business as usual, right? <laughs> because most, <laughs> most older adults actually don't have access to counselling and su- su- support and 
and, and the reasons for that are varied. Um, sometimes it's about um, themselves believing that um, counseling and psychology and psychiatry is not for, for them. It's usually stigmatized. Um, other times it's their families or even general practitioners and other men mental health practitioners who believe that old dogs can't learn new tricks and so on. So there are all kinds of reasons why mm. uh, counseling might not be easily op obtained. I, I think that the negative consequence is that you, you'll de be depriving yourself of tools and techniques that have been shown to be effective and powerful in later life for improving mood and well-being. Yes. And if you have a medical condition that can be treated and effectively managed, why wouldn't you access that? So the same could be said about mental health conditions that can be well managed. Hmm. And um, lastly, how can we as a society improve or support the emotional well-being of older adults? Would you society, like to make some suggestions yeah. there? Yeah, as a society, we do very poorly at supporting our older adults. Mm -hmm. um, other societies do it much better, and they've got it right. Yeah. For example, um, they're very unimaginative housing solutions for older adults living in our society and other Western cu cultures. I think we're trying to address that through different shared accommodation type arrangements. Yes. Um, but for example, neighborhoods tend to not galvanize around the needs of their older neighbor as much as they could. Uh, younger adults might not know how to relate to older people. Mm. Older people might think that they're a burden on other people and younger folks, and that kind of myth could be addressed as well. Mm. I think we need to regard old age not as a disease, as we sometimes tend to do, but as a very natural part of life but one that brings its own pleasures and issues. Yes. Um, and as we understand what they are, I think we'll begin to have better connections, right, and be able to re relate to the older members of our society. Mm. Yeah. Phenomenal. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Barr. Um, just on a, on a final note, if anyone is, if any of our listeners uh, are interested in uh, participating perhaps in the wellbeing clinic for older adults, how might they go about doing that? The best way of them connecting with the clinic is really by emailing me um, um, because what we need uh, is essentially an agreement with the residential aged care facility so that we can start to bring the clinic into their premises. Um, okay. And through that arrangement, we're able to not only work with the resident, but also work with the staff and the families uh, to bring about a system of care that might be relevant to the individual. Okay, so a link needs to be made between the residential facility and the wellbeing clinic yes, as um, well to, I guess, facilitate a bit of a relationship. Correct. All right, fantastic. So what we can do for our listeners, for anyone who might be um, inquiring on their own behalf or on the behalf of a loved one, um, we will pop your details uh, on our podcast page as well for anyone who perhaps would like to get in contact with you. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Sunil Barr, for coming on the show today to talk about uh, wellbeing clinic for older, older adults and for, I guess, mental health in general for older individuals. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Great, thank you. Thank you. You can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au, or on the 3CR website. That's 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves, as well as on iTunes. 
feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainways at whirlways.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.